Okay, my first question. Okay. Do you hear about this fighter jet? No. The one that went missing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a $50 million that went... I heard... Okay, so that's a lie. I definitely heard about it, but I have known nothing about it. Where, though? Bermuda? So, I probably know only slightly more than you, um, just because my range of taking in information these days is to just kind of glance at whatever is popping through my Twitter timeline. Yeah. Um, but apparently a guy ejected from the fighter jet and then it continued to fly on autopilot to the point where they couldn't find it because it's a stealth jet and they were literally like put out like a public notice of, Hey, we need help finding our jet. (laughs) How do you lose a $30 million stealth fighter jet. And also, why are you ejecting out of a $30 million fighter jet? And then also, if we're just going to go on questioning things, has anybody maybe thought the, you know, unidentified saucers flying around that the government has already confirmed might have something to do with it? Like, they were just riding by, and they're like, somebody asleep at the wheel behind this fighter jet? Nope. They're out of it. Yeah, maybe I'm a, I'm maybe there aren't it. aliens. It's just uh, unattended stealth jets that people keep ejecting. <laughs> like, don't those usually have like a backup pilot? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or does you, somebody you know, in the background? You would think. Yeah, you would think. You would a hundred percent think. Um, but you know. Whatever. Listen, if the government wants to lose $30 million, I have a million-dollar idea, okay? What, what is it? I don't have a million-dollar idea. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a pro wrestler. If I had a million-dollar idea, I'd be doing a lot better right now. Well, welcome to Weekend at Effie's. Uh, this is a special edition of the podcast because we are Effie-less this week. This weekend with Uncle Cole at Effie's. All right, tell everybody who you are. Uh, I'm a nobody, but if you think I'm a somebody, my name is Cole Radrick. I'm an independent professional wrestler, and Effie happens to be one of my best friends. Uh, so I so do want to get. Oh, I I am so glad that this is happening. This is amazing. This was very Fire last up. minute. You came through. Um, this one's going to probably be more off the rails than Effie you, is. We so we hop on the FaceTime and you immediately go, okay, what are we doing? And I tell you, it's a, probably com- more complicated than not. Like it's, I'm meant to be simplistic, but it maybe got more complicated than it should have been. Well, we fixed it. Uh, we yeah, and you immediately go, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna run and grab headphones from the store, uh, BRB. Yes, and. Uh, just went and got had I don't know they just I love I loved it fantastic I went but to be fair at the end of the day I did not just go get headphones for myself I also went and got a pack of cookies true so I I wish I could say I did it just for the podcast but when I was there the inner demon did, went out went you did it for the cookies I did it for the cookies um. It's so it is a it's still a fairly normal episode of the podcast. I have Bebop to the right of me who is what insisting out? that I play with him and his uh torn up blanket. Come say hi, buddy. Come say hi. What up, Bebop? 
Uh, he just got a bee costume for Halloween, so he's going to be Bebop. I already have a couple cat costumes, so I'm pretty excited for Halloween. Uh, what uh, what are your cats dressing as? I can't reveal that confidential information. <laughs> Come on, man! I gotta get the no, I get it. We're uh, we're starting a uh, only pause section of the Patreon with oh my you know God. exclusive uh, doggy content. And I've just been banking stuff up and feeling like, oh, no, I can't post it. Like, this is gold right here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just want to post this on Twitter. And you're like, I can't. You got to save the good shots for the only calls. You have to. You have to. Um, okay. I want to hear about your first experience with Effie um, and just everything that went into that. Uh, I guess your Effie origin story. But first, I want to just get to know you a little bit deeper and for everyone on the podcast to, you know, have that chance as well. Um, tell me about two different matches. One where you went, fuck it, I'm done, I'm never doing this again. And then one where you went, I, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, this is, that was magical. Um, there's been a couple matches like that. I really try not to get in my head too much, like, to where I'm like, fuck it, I don't want to wrestle no more. I would, there was a match at IWA Mid-South where, uh, in the very end of the match, it's literally, I dive on one person, I get in the ring, and I dive on the other person. And these are, like, two bigger guys, and I'm, like, 165 pounds. <laughs> and I'm not doing, like, a crazy, like, triple flip commander dive like i'll never be that athletic or that gifted um but i just remember i dove on the first guy and he just did not catch me and i went straight to the concrete and being the 20 year old little engine that could i got back up and i went to the ring and i did a di the dive on the other guy and he did not catch me and i ate shit on the concrete twice and then i ate shit on a move and i just remember thinking yeah, this isn't really that fun. Like, I'm in a lot of pain. Like, I'm walking over to get this $15 payday, and I'm, like, Fuck. moving like I'm 50 years old. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't I don't really think this is a good time. Um, imagine I feel like I could do this forever. Uh, probably me and Joey Janela from an Atlantic City match. Uh, we wrestled... It was for uh, the DDD, DDT Pro Iron Heavy Metalweight Championship and the GCW Extreme Championship. It may have been, JOE may have had a different belt, so forgive me. Uh, but that match was really awesome. It was something that was uh, mostly like on the fly, just feeling the crowd out yeah. and everything. And the way the crowd was reacting and so into it and we weren't doing extremely complicated things either. So it was like, oh, this is like a pro wrestling match. Like, yeah. it was really awesome. I really enjoyed it. Hell yeah, I love that. Um, that's really like, interesting, the the dichotomy between those two. Yeah, and it's, man, I found out, like, i rather have a great crowd interaction with a match, whether they're having fun with it or they're enjoying booing somebody or whatever it might be. Um, I thoroughly enjoy rocking and rolling with the crowd and getting being in the moment with them rather than doing a whole bunch of cool moves. 
what? That's really been like helping out a lot. I don't need to do a lot more suicide dives. <laughs> uh, okay. I do to just your story about hitting the concrete. Can you, for everyone, tell the story of the table miss? The table. Okay. So the greatest. I'm sorry if you've told this a gazillion times. I just I this really caught my. I, I- I have, but it's one of the stories that just never gets better, but never ends. Um, it's an IWA show, Mid South. Uh, me and Marcus Everett, uh, we had like three really good matches leading up to this. We had a good uh, match at King of the Death match, which was like a regular match. Uh, we had a, a good like no holds barred match, and then a barbed wire match, and then a whole bunch of weird things led up to this event. Loser leaves town at IWA. Marcus is losing, and um, so we get to call in this match. And Marcus is wanting to do some really cool things, so hopefully that other promotions elsewhere see it and want to use him based off that because he's not going to be at IWA anymore. Right. So we get to call in this match, and we're planning a whole bunch of crazy shit for a lot less money than. We were, we were working way over budget, and uh, we get to the table spot, and he's like, hey, I really want to drop this elbow off the wall through you on a table, and I was a little bit skeptical, um, and I mean this in the most loving way. Marcus is a great dude, um, but I've seen him mess up suicide dives. I've seen him mess up crazy dives. There was just times where his judgment in the moment were, was just off, whether it be nerves, whether it be anxiety, whether it just be overthinking. Uh, there was just times where, like, I knew when it came to jumping and stuff like that, sometimes it might not all work out. So he talks about doing the solo drop off the wall, and we did a spot earlier in our series of matches where he did jump off the wall, and I caught him in a crossbody, so... I was like, all right, you know, if you're going off this little seven foot lift, like, I'm sure you won't miss me on a table. Well, Marcus is like, no, 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 I want to go up there. And he points that to the second level of this, like, scaffolding that goes up to the side of the building. And I was like, "Uh, Marcus, this is a horrible idea. Uh, If you ask me, I I think you're going to miss the table. And so, like, how high is this? I would say spot. I would say fourteen, anywhere from thirteen to fifteen feet. Oh, Con- concrete below. God. So he's like, no, no, I, I can hit it, I can hit it. So we're talking about this match. We're getting to where, we're getting to the point of like, hey, this is where this is going to happen. So I grab the table, and I go, Marcus, how far out do you need this table to be? Because I'm the one setting it up. He's like, I need it right here. I said, okay. So what I did is I laid down on the farthest edge away from where he was jumping. So if he jumped and he kind of fell a little bit shorter of landing like directly on top of me, he's going to land on 90% table, break his fall. Right. Super easy. Like just land on the table. We'll go through it together. And I just remember telling him like, hey, before you do this, like uh, New Jack, who was a wrestler in ECW that did a whole bunch of like balcony dives, he would always fall. He would never jump unless, like, 
it was really called for and he like it was a spot where he needed to jump out far all the time when he did these balconies he just fell so i just right. remember telling like if Mar- you're if you're up that high why would you add more to it yeah by jumping exactly and it's like i lo- i really like this guy and i don't want to see him get really hurt so uh he's like all right we're gonna do it right here and i'm like okay just remember please dear god remember fall don't jump so we get to the point of the match match is going on back and forth back and forth uh he ends up putting me on the table and as he starts to climb up this structure i'm just like god i don't know how this is gonna go this is nerve-wracking like what's gonna happen and then as he gets to the, the second level, you start seeing him shimmy, shimmy. And if you look at me laying on the table, you'll see me, like, start pointing at the far side, like, the where all the open space is. Like, please, dear God, land right here. Just land right here. So the moment comes. I'm looking up at him. He's looking down at me. And just before he goes off the ledge, I see him, like, take a half second to hesitate and he squats and gives a small jump. Fuck my life. So I'm looking up at him and everybody brings up the facts that, oh, you brought your knees up. Like if you would have landed on the table, you would have hurt him. Marcus was already past me by the time I brought my knees up. God. I'm realizing in the moment that, holy shit, this guy is falling to the concrete. There's nothing I can do stop him or save him and he goes splat right on the concrete 13 feet in the air drops an elbow right onto the concrete i roll off the table and people also bring that up what the fuck you want me to do lay on the table till the show ends you're right like am i just a broken wwe 2k 14 game or whatever where i'm just stuck on the table forever and ever and ever and like i don't know what you want from me so I roll off this table. A whole bunch of wrestlers and some, like a commentator, Nick Manilov, surrounding Marcus, asking him if he's okay. John Wayne Murdoch comes over to me and goes, hey man, I don't know. And I'm like, well, go go check on him. Like, why are you looking at me? Like, he's the one that just fell to his death. So then Reed Bentley comes over to me. Hey man, he says he's actually pretty fine. And I'm like, what? Here I'm thinking, like, match is thrown out. Let's get him to the hospital. Scrape him off the ground. Like, let's get him taken care of. Yeah. I'm good to just take off my wrestling shoes and just go home. Reed Bentley's like, no, man, he's fine. He said, oh, man, let's continue. And I'm like, wait, wait. So I, I go to pick him up, and I'm like, hey, man, like, let's just, that's a three count right there. You just die. Like, what else am I going to do? Roll him in. One, two. He kicks out. <laughs> now, the best part about this match, Pitar, that people tend to forget, is that that was not the end of the match. It continued, and it did not get better. Because directly after that, he's like, all right, let's go. I was like, we're going to the like the end of this match. Like, whatever. So, I put a table up. I climb up into the corner. And for some reason... What is happening? There we go. I should record it again. Uh, sorry. Sorry, people. No, my computer I had a freak that. out. Uh, 
So I get a table out. I'm telling them, hey, we're going on. We're wrapping it up. There's nothing. Like, why did you kick out even to begin with? So I climb up at the corner. And he's supposed yeah, to like just. What, what else is there to accomplish at this point? Like, do I have to pull out a knife? Do I have to grab a handgun? Like, bazooka, RPG, C4, Claymore? What I, What do you need from me? It's I'll get, so I'll get, Looney Tunes already, yeah. I will pull out Drew McIntyre's sword. I swear to God. Um, so I kind of actually know who that is because I was working on TikTok clips today and, uh, Taylor has a Drew McIntyre foot tattoo. Yeah. Um, and apparently it was going around a WWE group chat, um, Mm -hmm. because, uh, it was like a known thing that CM Punk had seen the tattoo. I love that somehow, some way, he, that man will find him in a conversation everywhere. Uh, yeah, we uh, oh, we've had a slight uh, go watch our TikTok clips. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. Uh, Jesus, I cl- I grab the table. He kind of gets up on me for a second, and this is just supposed to be. Climbs up to the second rope with me. I reverse it into a tombstone off the second rope through a table. Pretty crazy spot, right? Um, but for some reason, the guy grabs a chair to go throw it at me while I'm on the corner, which is unplanned, but normally, whatever, it's at every way. It's what happens. Uh, well, when he grabs a chair, I see on, on the seat side, there's a whole bunch of gusset plates. And for those that don't know what gusset plates are, if you go into, like, any wood building and the structure where there's, like, wood being held together, it's the metal that holds the wood together. It's just a whole bunch of spikes on, like, a little slab of metal. It's not fun. I fucking hate them. Um, so he has a chair full of gussets, and he throws it at me. Luckily for me, he put it, like, what's normally the unsafe side of a chair, but that's what he ended up throwing it at me, which I was thankful for because I don't want gussets in my fucking yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't need those scars baby okay um but what he does is he puts the chair gusset side up on the table so now when i tombstone him there's like a small chance his head is going right to that chair so i'm like i don't like gussets to begin with but i also don't want to kill this dude who just died off giving an elbow drop. Only has like a small cut on his elbow. And now he's wanting me to, to tombstone him through a chair with gussets and a table. So I go to do this tombstone, right? And I protect him the best I can, try to whatever. We hit this table, Peter, and the table does not break. Oh, God. So when we hit it, I just hold on to him, and then I land directly on top of him. 69 and I'm like, I hate it here, please. And luckily, that was the end of the match. But that was, like, the closest to being, like, honestly, that should probably be the, fuck, I want to quit wrestling. Because <laughs> yeah. whenever he kicked out of the wall thing, I was like, get me out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm not having fun. 
No, I mean, why would you want to participate with that? That's, oh, God. Great times. Being a pro wrestler is fun, everybody. It's so easy. You should do it. Um, so much okay. Um, I want to hear about uh, your first first weekend with Effie. My first weekend with Effie. Um, I don't remember my first time meeting Effie, if I'm being completely honest with you. But my first significant conversation with Effie, I uh, walked up to him at a show called Paul K. that's ran every year uh, by uh, Chad French, who's the Midwest Territory. I remember just being like, the whole day, I was like, I need to go talk to Effie. Because at this time, Effie was doing great videos. It was like the start of his GCW run. He was great at content, great at marketing. And I was like, that's what I felt like I didn't have. Like, I felt like I was starting to get okay at the wrestling portion. But I just didn't understand how to get to that next level of connection with the crowd. Or getting to that point where I could feel comfortable in the driver's seat of commanding a crowd. And so I came up to Effie and I was like, hey man, like, I don't mean to bother you. Like, I'm sure you get asked this all the time. But I'm just really curious about how you go about selling merchandise or how you, how you found your rhythm or your groove or the way that you like to write your songs in a wrestling ring. You know, there's just all these different things. And he just really took the time have like a genuine conversation with me about it. Like, trust me, I know, like being around Effie all the time, I know how many people ask these questions and how many times it's the same conversation that kind of goes the same way. And that's not a negative thing. But Effie took a lot of time and just explaining things to me. And then from that point on, every time I saw Effie, it was just always, all right, let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit. And since then, that's my best friend. I love that. He, uh, you know, it's really cool the the people that you meet through wrestling because a lot of wrestling uh, folks, whether it be fans, uh, workers, whatever, they grow up not really fitting in with a lot of normal society. Like a lot of them are like yeah. the weirdo kids at school. Right. You know what I mean? And then when you get into wrestling and you realize that all these people are around that are exactly like you, that, exact, that like the same wrestling that you do may not even like the same style of wrestling or the same companies, but you still like the overall aspect of wrestling. It's a unifier. And when we realize that, we use that to our advantage of where we don't care. Like, the ones that really don't care about, man, I want to only watch this brand of pro wrestling or this show on this night or this show on that night. And the ones that are just like, yo, pro wrestling's fucking awesome. If there's a sick show Monday and a sick show Wednesday, I'm going to watch both of them. Or if there's three badass independent shows in a row. I'm going to go to all three of them in the same weekend. Like I know fans in Indiana that go to shows all throughout the Midwest every weekend. Cause this is what they love to do. So like yeah. that to me is like the coolest aspect of wrestling is seeing not only wrestlers, but fans getting lost in the art form and finding their group and their community and their village through wrestling. And uh, I'm got lucky that, found tribal chief Eddie, uh, Effie. Uh, no, that's, that's beautiful. There's one of my favorite things about, uh, I guess like growing and getting older is seeing, 
seeing the pathways of like when you were younger and the different people you were around and then how everyone almost had this like attraction towards something that they maybe didn't even know what it was and then finding that thing and all of a sudden like having that belonging that like deep tribal thing that we need as human beings um when like i don't know just the with like the my experience in my life is i've gotten to see quite a few of those where i'm almost just dipping in is like like i forever felt like an alien visiting a planet that i don't live on yeah and this has been one of the most wonderful planets that i've visited (laughs) the wrestling planet and it's the worst thing is is feeling like that alien you know where it's like you want to connect with these people and you're like, we are in different spectrums of reality. Like we're not in the same sphere when it comes to whether it be politics, religion, um, political correctiveness, whatever you want to call it. Progression. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, But when you find that group of people, you can resonate with that group of people and like the sense of belonging and the sense of having people that are excited to see you, you know, like, I think that goes a lot in the sense of being able to have motivation to move forward. Cause like, I know if it weren't for some of my friends, like, man, I've been in the darkest slums of my mind, but pro wrestling and the people inside of it, while pro wrestling can fucking suck for sure. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's the worst. But at the end of the day, it's the best community. It's the thing I love more than anything. It's the best group of people, the best journey, the greatest life that I probably could have got to live. So you just find ways to be thankful for it. And then I'm really thankful that for some reason this community kind of likes me. (laughs) No, there's definitely – I definitely feel – the love uh we're sitting on like 10 to 12 questions for you specifically um and so far everyone has been nothing but excited that you were coming on the podcast you who knows you actually you were requested i may have reached out to you but you were requested previously uh by listeners to be the fill-in for this spot so this is not just some like random fit in okay there's very are these questions from the patreon as well Oh yeah, 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 that's the okay. only way you can ask questions on the okay. on this podcast. Weekend at Effies dot com. Perfect. Weekend at Effies dot com. Um. Okay. Well, what else do we want to get into? Um. What has been happening in wrestling for you that's um been exciting? Uh, give I'm me, a- give me a recent weekend at uh Coles. We honestly, the, the my favorite weekend as of late was probably the weekend we had. Oh, it was so much fun. Well, what was I've it? Been going, was I've been going and doing yeah. clips and like reliving the entire thing. That weekend was awesome. Uh, I think, I don't know if you and Effie touched on it. I tried to listen to the podcast where you discussed that. And uh, what Effie doesn't touch on is at one point he had fallen asleep and it was just me and you mm-hmm. talking about ghosts, talking about spirits talking about energy stuff of that nature 
and UFOs, aliens, like conspiracies. Uh, we are very uh, similar minded in our uh, enjoyment when it comes to all of these topics. It, um, it, that was probably one of my f- favorite weekends. Um, I got the tag team with Alec Price against the Bang. Ooh, cannot say that anymore. For the artist formerly known as the Bang Bros, not the website. Um, that match was a lot of fun. I got to be the emotional support Cole at Effie's Big Gay Brunch, which was uh, a great time. And then I uh, took a great nap, and then we went to All In. Or that no, was All crazy. Out. Crazy. We All Out, whichever the pay per view name was. Forgive me. Um. Update on uh, the centaur. Do, do, do you remember this? Yes. Oh my god. Okay. It had so, to be a centaur, right? Is, yeah. So it's confirmed. It, it's, it's confirmed it, okay. Um. One of the the rest. One of the wrestlers got turned into a centaur, and then the other guy is riding his back, holding like a spear or a bow and arrow. They both have weapons. Um. But yeah ridiculous i had someone reach out to me and they're like yo the artist that did that's my friend <laughs> they were paid to do that yep 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 congratulations <laughs> i mean honestly i love it pro wrestling's weird and i love that shit like if, if it was all just basic like it would just be so boring that's yeah. why characters character i say characters but Effie's just Effie, and you got you have people that can dis- display these larger than life characters. That's what makes wrestling so interesting. Because if you just had boring old Cole every every wrestler, nobody would want to watch that. You're so self deprecating. It doesn't get better. <laughs> um, you should be an emotional support Cole for Cole. <laughs> That's why, oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, that's why when Effie <laughs> pitched that to me, I was like, well, Effie, I don't know where I'm going to be at for myself, but I got you for the others. No, you were such a necessary part of that weekend. Um, and I do, um, God, I'm a, great, g- I'm a great background. Um, uh, we'll say beloved character actor. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I'm just the one that dies off after like season five. Um, okay. People are going to hate that I'm going to do this, but I have a new Mandela effect that I think is a real thing. Yes. Okay. And what is it? Um, only Effie believes me on this so far. Okay. So the reason that this one is tricky is because, um, it's, there's an actor that died and then an actor that didn't die that I do remember dying. And they unfortunately have similar names and similar features. And I'm talking about um, Bill Pullman, like Independence Day president Bill Pullman. Uh, <laughs> While you were sleeping, Bill Pullman. That's a wonderful rom-com from the 90s that's insane. Um, P-U-L-L-M-A-N? Yeah. And he gets mixed up with Bill Paxton all the time, who did die, 
but I have a distinct memory of Bill Pullman dying right after he finished the TV so the TV show The Circle, and he just got announced in a new movie, and uh, it broke my brain a little bit. Um, and everyone is telling me I'm wrong about this, um, except for Taylor, who I told, and he goes, "Yeah, I definitely remember that." Um, so I feel like I discovered a new one, but also I might be crazy. Yeah, I I'm not I'm not in tune with that one, honestly. I will. I had to try. But you said the circle, which you you have you watched Netflix's Circle? Like a movie? Uh, no. Oh my god. If you want to talk about a movie that just leaves you like, what the fuck does did I just watch afterwards? It's that. It is a movie where like you watch it one you can only watch it one time because of how okay. it ends. But I, I'm I want you to watch that because I feel like the way that we both think, you would very much enjoy that. I hope it's still on there. It's called Circle circle yes okay it should be like a whole bunch of people standing in a circle with like lights on them and stuff like that this is 2017 not the circle yeah no i'm running into i'm just trying oh i know what you're talking about okay 2015 weird okay so who we were just talking about bill paxton he's in it really yeah. No way. <laughs> Honestly, it's really funny. How? <sighs> I think it was his last role before he died too. That's wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know how that worked out, but um, see how we just magically just intertwined the two. <laughs> They're listening to us, man. I, who knows? Maybe they CGI them into that movie just now. Or you didn't realize he actually died. Well, it that movie is starring Tom Hanks, and do you know about our Tom Hanks theory? Okay, Circle does not have Tom Hanks in it. Just want to put that out. No. No. Uh, but I want to know this Tom Hanks theory. Okay. He definitely has some role. Okay, so the theory with Tom Hanks is that when they were shooting the movie Castaway, there was a horrible accident on set. And Tom Hanks died, and he's been replaced with a android Tom Hanks that is just uh, picking really bizarre roles. Because if you look at his career past Castaway, it's a little bizarre. Like he just he's making interesting choices that maybe aren't that interesting. Now is this like, something that like you choices... and Effie came came up with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is okay. uh, a he, this, his pet theory. Okay. Okay. See, I just feel like at some point actors just stop giving a fuck and they know they're going to make a minimum dollar. Because, like, shout out Adam Sandler. That man has made, like, four good movies since, like, Click came out and Click wasn't even a good movie. The I love his vacation movies where you can tell that he just got his friends and they got paid to go on vacation and then shoot a movie in, like, their downtime <laughs> or what the what's the one where he's like a jeweler oh uncut gems that's incredible uncut gems is great 
But you know he got paid to do that movie. And he was like, I'm hanging out in Vegas, partying all night, going crazy, wherever they're filming. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because they were definitely in, like, a nice city. Um... I think it. Was, I think that one's New York. But at some point, like you, these actors have made so much money, and then they have investments elsewhere. But they're like, ah, fuck it. We just do a bullshit film that I don't really have to care about. You chill out. Oh, for sure. But um, shout out to him, Sam. I still love you. Yeah, for absolutely. Speaking of uncut gems, have you seen Good Time? Okay, Good Time was the movie that those directors made before they made Uncut Gems. It's that similar, like, style where everything's, like, pretty rough-and-tumble anxiety. Um, But it's Robert Pattinson, and um, he basically commits a crime with uh, his younger brother, and his younger brother gets in trouble, and so the whole movie is him trying to break his younger brother, like, out of jail. Um, cause he, and it also involves a Sprite bottle full of acid. It's, it is a wild flick. You would, it's right up your alley. Yeah. I need you to send me that whenever we get off this. Yeah, for sure. Cause I won't remember it, but I do have circles saved to send to you. Um, okay. Well, just because this is this podcast and we only sort of kind of talk about wrestling what movies have you only sort of kind of what like what other what other like you definitely have talked about film and everything um we watched the end of the new ghostbusters when we were in the hotel yes we did it was one of the most bizarre experiences i've ever had watching anything yeah the ghosts Um, at the end really trippy but yeah not a movie to come into uh, at the end i don't think no i mean Uh, we got we got to like the hot comeback of it uh and then there was a little bit of expendables and other and then we mostly just watched national geographic drug trafficking (laughs) yeah we watched national geographic drug trafficking we watched a great uh uh women's program on tv (laughs) you know exactly what i'm talking about it was great. Uh, I I was thoroughly entertained by it, legitimately. I will say that. I mean, it might not be for the direct reasons of it, but I think outside looking in, it was very enjoyable just to tune in to see see something like that. Yeah. Great times. Uh, more paperwork storylines. <laughs> I love it. I legitimately love it. Gotta have it's wacky just... stuff. Um, so what, what other media, what other stuff influences you artistically when it comes to wrestling? Like, what do you like to feed into, um, the Cole Radrick machine that isn't wrestling? Um, honestly, like a lot of music, um, a lot of like TV shows and drama taking from what people get upset about or what captures, like if I can watch a TV show, like I'm on, I'm on Ooh. And I've been watching Netflix a lot. And just finding, like, ways of, okay, so if this is what Eskimos people do to, like, undercut someone, if I tuned that down to, like, 400 and did that in a promo, 
or the way he talks to someone that really wants to respect their name or their cadence or their rhythm or when Javier Pena is trying to uh, motivate his guys or whatever. There's just different ways he can play in different aspects of human communication, human connection, uh, human interactions, uh, movies. Shout out first man on Mars. Latest movie of all time. Just, you know, that's like an underdog movie. So you can kind of find ways to sympathize with the underdog, understand how they might walk or communicate. And if you can carry that over to wrestling and you start, you know, as a shy kid and then you start blossoming throughout having more matches and more matches, that's something that a crowd over time can relate to if they're able to watch you and see you progress in that sense. So there's a lot of different uh, venues of taking inspiration or guidance or finding different ideas through any art any other type of art form as well and that's out there too hell yeah i love that um okay give me something musically that's gotten you really excited lately um and then what's your like what kind of movie gets you excited like i'm not talking specifically like oh i love this movie but what is so, like I like I like serious sci-fi. That's my favorite. Like like Alien might be my favorite movie of all time. Like I watch it every single time, and I just get so fucking like I watched it this past weekend, and I was riveted the entire time. It never gets old to me. Um, I would say movie wise. Like, the question was, like, what gets me most excited to watch it? So I can watch it a thousand times. Is that what we were kind of getting at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Movie-wise, I would honestly probably say, like, as goofy as it seems, I can watch the movie Pitch Perfect, like, a million times. I it lo- is my favorite movie. I love that. It's- Behind Percy and Wallflower is definitely my favorite movie of all time, but it, I have more replay out of Pitch Perfect, the original Pitch Perfect, no, two or three. That's all yeah. calmed down. Um, just because of, like, it's obviously, like, a musical-type movie, but there's so many good, like, humor quips or, like, things that it said, because there's, like, the, the quiet Asian girl that just says, like, can I show you where I hit the body? And, like, just says crazy things like that. And there's just so much, like, different things from how the trebles, like, are kind of assholes and snarky. And then the guy wants to get the girl. And there's just so many different things where it's, I think every time I watch it, I just pick up something new i just never seen from it. Yeah. And it just gets, makes it a better movie all the way around. I love that. That's great. I wish they, uh, I wish they never stopped making um that's so so would you say that's your favorite franchise the pitch perfect movies Um, i was gonna say american pie but that sounds just for all the wrong reasons (laughs) but it's it's not for all the wrong reasons you know um, like, I like kind of like 
fucked up comedy humor. So, like, I yeah. guess that's where I'm coming from. Like, that's the stuff that makes me, like, laugh my ass off. I would honestly say, though, that my probably favorite, like, franchise is always going to be the Spy Kids. Hell yeah. Spy Kids I love still that. goes hard to this day. I love that. Well, I think the second one is, the, like, the Game Over Racing one. Sign me up for that one every day. That that's rules. how they should have um, no, I, especially like knowing the story behind those movies is, it was basically Robert Rodriguez, like wanted to finally make movies for his kids. And it was like a real love letter to that. Um, like there's a, the genuine sweetness behind the making of those movies. And then he just like, if you look at the cast of those, it's just a bunch of his fucking friends. It's hilarious. Legend. So My, funny. Can we, can we have an honest conversation about. We just need to stop putting over the James Bond movies. Uh, James Bond all, is so played out. It is so bad. I remember watching, I think it was either Casino Royale or Quantum Solace with my dad. My dad took me when I was like 13 or 12, however fucking old I was. And I just remember going to the movie theater. My dad never got excited for movies, but he was fired up for this. And 25 minutes in, me and my dad left. He's like, screw Ooh. this. He's like, we're not. I was like, all right. He gave me five bucks. I played some of the arcade games for three hours. I got my shit in. Um, you know what franchise is infinitely better than James Bond and accomplishes everything that you would kind of want from a James Bondy type? What's that? Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible is amazing. I that's my. I, I have to admit that it's my favorite franchise. I love those movies so fucking much. So here's my question: What's what's a popular movie that everybody forgot about that you love? And I'll give you an example. Do you remember John Tucker Must Die? Yes. Everybody forgets that movie, and it's such a great movie. The fact um... that hey, listen, I just know if I ever want to add two foot vertical to my jump, I just have to follow a song. That's I don't make the rules. That's just how it goes. <laughs> It's the secret. Uh, well, they're, they're t- the government is telling you. <laughs> oh, shit. That's so good. Um, a popular movie. The, uh, that that's ever- that's my forte. Is I always remember the good movies everybody forgets. You remember Monster House, the animated film? In like yeah. Yeah. That one was a good one. Yeah. And it was sad, too. Because the house is his wife's soul after she died. That's right. Damn. She's a um. She's creepy. Terrifying as a bitch. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Most of the like movies that people have forgotten about that I like, people have forgotten about them for a good reason. <laughs> What's that? Like, give me one. Okay, so there's a um, there is a movie starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson that is narrated by Justin Timberlake, starring John Lovitz, Amy Poehler. Um, What's it called? Southland Tales. Sarah Michelle Gellar. It's uh, Wallace Shawn, who is the inconceivable guy from Princess Bride. I love that guy. Um, He's also in Problem Child. That's a good series people forget about. Problem Child. 
problem child. There's a podcast that I listen to that is obsessed with bringing that movie up. You listen to last podcast on the left, right? Yes. Yeah. My earliest memory for wrestling was literally just like a glimpse. It's literally like a photograph and it's me in what I presume is a crib or a child's bed or whatever. My brother and sister are watching it on mute so my mom doesn't know that they're watching Monday Night Raw Raw Shore because this is like early 2000s. So my mom comes in the room and sees that I'm watching it and she takes me out of that room so they can still watch it but takes me into her room where she's watching Celebrity Deathmatch. I don't I don't know how the math adds up, but it did. Um, That's really funny. And then uh, I remember my brother. Uh, we did the same thing at my dad's house. My parents split up, so uh, did the same thing at my dad's house. Smackdowns on. My brother's like, "Hey, you need to be quiet. Or else I'm gonna take it right now. I want to watch wrestling because our curfew was at 8 p.m." Six. Right. And of course, dad comes in because he shuts the TV off. And that's how you get dad. Dad goes to sleep. Blah, blah, blah. And then um, I slowly started watching wrestling from there. And it was something that I watched. Anytime it was on, that's what I watched. That's what I wanted to watch. My dad took me to my first wrestling show when I was like six, maybe. Maybe when I was five. And I have a video of it, actually. And it's just me and my dad sitting in the front row, and you can just see how, like, bright-eyed I am at what I'm watching. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And it's just this very small show that was broadcasted locally at, like, 5 a.m. And from then on, I was just so hooked into it. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Like, all these guys are doing these crazy things. It's highly dramatic. Like, I was roped into everything. So I started watching it. I started watching Raw every night, SmackDown every Friday. Um, just trying to watch as much of it as I can. And by the time I realized it, I was like, oh shit, like, I'm addicted to this. Like, this is what I love. I love the pageantry. I love, I love the humor. I love the seriousness of it. I love the trash talking. Um, I love the craziness of it. Like, Jeff Hardy do, is doing front flips off of a 20-foot ladder onto somebody on a table, like, what? And then, like, I would say probably, like, I would say I loved it, and then around seventh grade, like, you know, you start having all your, all these kids that you're in grade with, they're all saying, like, you know it's fake, right? Or all, you know, all the demeaning stuff they could say about professional wrestling when it comes to what people wear and what it is and all this stuff and then so I started was like yeah I don't I don't like wrestling like I'm over it like I'm too cool for it and then I remember it was like I took a month off and I just remember watching like Monday Night Raw and thinking it was still the coolest fucking shit in the world I was like, this is so cool. Like, people have pyro going off to their entrances. Like, 
How could you not love this? Like, it is so over-the-top, dramatic, for no reason. Tell me about a cat adventure. A cat adventure. Honestly, how, how we got Felix is probably my favorite cat adventure. Yeah. So, um, at the time, I was living, me and my girlfriend, we were living on a, apartment with that had a second story balcony and so we would go outside vape whatever and so it was at night time so we were outside smoking and it was like right at the start of covid right so everything's shutting down and uh we already had two cats at the time uh-huh and so we were just talking hanging out and all of a sudden we see this small animal walking in the parking lot of the apartments that are behind us. So we're on the second story balcony. There's a huge drop off. So from the ground, there's like a like a brick wall that was about like four feet high, grass, a fence, and then the parking lot. So it's probably like 30 feet away from us. So we're like, what is it? And it kind of comes closer to where it's directly across from us. And we see that it's a small kitten. Yo, what? So we're like, oh shit, like it's this kitten that's just walking around outside, like near our trash. So we start, you know, calling for it, nothing, nothing. The cat starts to walk away. We're like, fuck. And I don't want like this poor little cat running around to get hit by a car or something. Uh, so the cat starts to walk away, and then I'm just yelling at it. And I just, I was watching boxing at the time, and my favorite boxer is Felix Trinidad. So I yelled, Felix! And the cat stopped, turned around, started walking towards us. So we start calling for it, can you feed a cat, whatever. It, the cat goes up to this fence, finds a hole in the fence to walk underneath of it, walks all the way down to where the bricks are, and just stops on the bricks and just looks up at us. Oh, my God. Me and my girlfriend are like, she's like, I'm going to go down and grab this cat. And I was like, go grab that cat. Like, what the hell? And the cat just waited and waited. And I was like, I was so anxious that the cat was going to run away. So my girlfriend walks down and around the apartment and around to the other end and her and the cat make eye contact and the cat walks up the bricks to her, grabs the cat, go upstairs and we shut the door so none of the other cats can bother it and the cat's just hanging out, no, no tag, no nothing and so we take it to the vet, there's not a chip, no signs of any owner, like it's just a straight and uh, certain things happened, and an ultimatum came around, and I was like, if this is going to happen, I want to keep this cat. And so that's how we have Felix Trinidad in our household. Damn. Yeah, and ever, we thought it was she was a boy at first, and when we took her to the vet, uh, ended up being a girl, but she only answers to Felix, but we got her coming around to female, so... 
That's so crazy. Yeah, what the cat literally chose us. Yeah, it was literally like, I like when the cat started walking away. I was like, damn, like I'm never gonna see this kitty cat again. Like really sad. And then the fact that it came back, found a hole through the fence, like was like determined to get to us. I was like, there's no way I could ever let this cat leave my sight. Like, and she is like, um, she's like all the, she's like the main cat I post on everything. The calico. Mm-hmm. That's my baby. Is that the leash cat? Yep. Okay. She loves being outside. Like, she loves hanging out outside. Like, anytime we come home, she tries to dart out the door. Like, uh, when I worked at my previous job, uh, I left for work. Karina left for work. Something happened. And our cat is really obsessed with the far end of our us neighbors. So we live on the third story. So we have like this big walkway that connects all the apartments. And for some reason, she is obsessed with whatever's at their door. Hmm. Loves it. Loves it. So I'm at work and my friend comes by and I was like, hey man, like I left something at my house. Could you please do me a solid? Go to my house, grab something. I was like, yeah, whatever. I live five minutes away from there. So he goes to the house and he calls me. And he goes, Hey, you know Felix is in a dog cage outside your house? Like at your apartment door? And I was like, What? He's like, Yeah. Um, I don't know. And I was like, Alright, so I told my boss, I was like, Hey, I'm going home. Like, I gotta figure out why my cat in a dog cage outside my apartment yeah so there was a note and the neighbor at the very far end of the apartment was like hey your cat was just sitting outside hanging out chilling i think this is your cat like we have a cat mat outside of our door so it's kind of they took a pretty educated guess and they showed up and ended up yeah my cat was outside i mean there's times where like i've walked out inside of my house to go right back outside and then I've walked inside and then when I walk back out she's just like chilling on the cat mat like so she never goes downstairs which is nice to know but I think that's the only like two times she's ever gotten out in three damn yeah but she she's also really good like the reason why she's a really good leash cat is especially when we go to like a state park she knows to stay on the trails, to keep it moving. Like, we get to a certain split on a certain trail where she knows if she goes right, we go to the waterfall. And if she goes left, there's a really nice trail that she likes to climb on in a tree. And I'm pretty sure she likes to pick on certain days. Because she'll just lead us. It's the best. That rolls. Yeah. No, it's pretty cool. And... The uh, other people that walk the trails and they see a cat on a leash, they usually don't know how to take it. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's like like uh, middle-aged women, and they're like, is that a cat on a leash? And like, yeah, you know. And they love it. They're like, we could never get our house cats to do that. And I was like, well, you know, she was an outdoor cat, and she loves being outside, so we just kind of let her rock and roll. 
That, I, that's so cool. Uh, amazing. Okay, well, let's go ahead and do some questions. Uh, thank you to everyone on the Patreon that sent in their questions for us today. Uh, this first one is from Kevin. Hey, Pitar and Big Daddy Ratty. My favorite thing that came out of Peter's wrestling weekend experience has been the connection that you two have made. I love it. My question is for Cole. Are there, is there a certain mindset that you have to get into before going into one of the many wild death matches you've participated in? And if I can ask a second question, what's the worst injury you've had from one of these matches? Uh, honestly, so for me in death matches, uh, I try to disassociate from like the danger of it all. Uh, I try not to think about what could happen, what can happen, what could go wrong. Like, there's many aspects, especially when you're dealing with T12 fluorescent light tubes. Those are dangerous. Those can break very awkwardly and lead to really bad cuts, uh, really serious cuts. Um, when you deal with stuff like barbed wire and gussets and panes of glass, and there's just so much room for error, and there's so much just a millimeter away of a cut that could go wrong. Uh, there's there's so much of an overwhelming feeling of peril and danger in those things that I found it best to disassociate with it. I'm, yeah. I think of it as more as this is professional wrestling. This is something I've done for the past eight years. This is something I've trained to do. This is something I've worked my ass off to be as good as I can be at it. And if I do everything in my power to do everything correctly and not be in the moment freaking out, worrying about what's going to happen here. I usually can find myself coming out unscathed or without extreme serious harm at the end of it. Yeah, um, totally. I would say my probably my biggest one, my biggest injury was uh, GCW St. Louis. Me and Alex Colon, I ended up getting a golf ball, a half a golf, think of like, he cut a golf ball in half, and he put that as like an indent into my shoulder. Yeah. I had a, that big of a cut in my shoulder that required uh, seven stitches. Oh, shit. And then when I got out of the hospital, everything was closed food-wise. So I ended up Ugh. coming back from the ER, getting, I think, uh, Circle K, Microwave, Bacon and pancakes and a chocolate milk for dinner. Oh, and then, God. Yeah, it was a great time. And then I chose to sleep on the floor because I didn't want to bleed on the hotel bed. Smart. Smart. Yeah. Honestly, I'm a sleeping on the floor is low-key underrated just because it really helps me stretch my back out. So it It's supposed to be healthy. It's supposed to be the healthiest way to sleep. Okay, this is from Julie. You have to drive ten hours, but you have to, but you can pick any three travel companions. Who's in your car and why? Effie. Effie alone for vibes. Uh, Jordan Oliver. He has great music taste. 
keep the vibe going. It was a great, uh, I wish it a bottom, a bottomist? Plant guy. Oh, botanist. yeah, uh, botanist. Botanist. Yeah. He's a great botanist of sorts. So, that helps with the travels. Um, honestly, I would say probably Dan Perch. Perch is a rep out of, that does a lot of GCW. Okay. And uh, does freelance wrestling in Chicago, places like that. And he is like one of the most positive, outgoing guys you could ever meet. And in the 3 a.m., oh my God, I want to die. I'm driving behind this wheel. If you got him talking all cheerio next to you, you could probably get through it. Does, wait, okay, does, was he there this past yes. week? The, okay. The one you're was right, he in yes. the, Okay, I think I met him and the, my, because there was someone that I met where I was like, that might be the most positive person I've ever met. That's probably Dan Perch. Okay. It's real. He's the greatest of all time. Uh, that rules. I love that. I'm just going to say um, our car from that weekend and you, Effie, and Allie. That, that was a road trip. Uh, that was – we were literally like the children while mom and dad were arguing all weekend. I, it was so the making making the connection that um they bought us uh lunch as a bribe was incredible. And, uh, hey, we're really sorry for how this went. <laughs> Ali did apologize. <laughs> hey, I got chicken tendies. I was happy. Um, you so okay. I have to bring this mm-hmm. up. I found out a very surprising thing about you. Um, no sauce. Yeah, never. No, never sauce. Never on anything, not even spaghetti. Only thing sauce you could say is pizza. Okay. So I enjoy pizza sauce. What's uh, your pizza? Cheese or sausage. Hell yeah. Basic. Oh, no, I'm the same. It's cheese or if I'm feeling crazy, I do pepperoni jalapeno. I only do pepperoni from, or not pepperoni, but uh, sausage from place called pizza pantry it's like a local old soul joint oh hell yeah indiana. and then uh they're very rural in indiana and like some other places in the midwest maybe but it's called pizza king it's my favorite pizza spot i've heard about this yeah in other states it's also called sir pizza i believe because i think like past a certain point of of a line and whatever that like the southern states have to call it sir pizza so that, that's what i would say also ma- yeah. maple syrup is not a sauce so you put maple syrup on things yeah it's a condiment okay so what else counts as a condiment no that's it that's it just maple syrup yeah. okay okay i'm glad we cleared that up <laughs> uh this is from miguel have you have you seen any ghosts in the various towns slash hotels that you visited? Oh, Peter, we we talking about this. Um, the only ghost thing that I have was it was a hotel room with me, Effie, and Alec Price, and I ended up sleeping on the couch, and like. 
three times in the night, and it was like early morning. The front door opened, like uh, housekeeping was coming in. Mm-hmm. And I remember the third time, I just vividly remember being like, "Stop coming in!" Like yelling, because it was like five a.m. So in the morning, because we were there for two nights, I went to the front desk and I was like, "Hey, housekeeping came in at like five." six and seven thirty this morning like i understand if you guys have like a full thing and you're flipping but we're here for two days like we don't need any service like and they're like oh well housekeeping doesn't come in till 8 a.m and i go okay so who came into our room and they're like oh well nobody came into your room and they're like all oh, you guys had the keys or whatever so i thought maybe effie left alec left nobody left so, weird it may have been a real like deep deep dream you know deep sleep dream but i just vividly remember like pushing my head off the couch and just looking at the door being like what the fuck um we've talked about you know the ghost stories in in my house and stuff but that's the only one from the road Okay, this is from Jerry. Do you have a favorite style slash model slash whatever straight people call it of car to use for your demolition derby matches? <laughs> or just whatever stays together enough to win? I love you, Jerry. I just wanted to say that. Um, so any type of station wagon, I would say would be my favorite okay. type. Um, just because my dad ran one. When I was a kid, and that thing was a tank. He ended up running it like seven times. Damn. So the car was like damn near indestructible. Uh, I got the Derby one that I actually did for uh, it's a foundation called NAMI. Uh, it's like a mental health awareness foundation for Indiana. So I did a huge online campaign to raise money for it. And I think I ended up raising over six hundred dollars. Hell yeah. Through that. So I got to derby that and I took third place with it. So that was really cool. Um, but yeah, I would say any type of station wagon. Go get her family to car, you know? <laughs> that, bro, I love that. <laughs> uh, okay. This is from Heather. You're making a mixtape that explains who you are. What are the first three songs? Hero David Bowie. Uh, on Malacani Hill by the Gorillas. Uh, yeah. I gotta, the third song has to be a home run. Gosh, I have to look at this song because it, it's just okay. a specific song. A great first two. Two years by Have Mercy. Okay. I I had the band in my head. I just couldn't think of the song. Oh shit. Okay, I guess I need to do three. Um. Uh. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. These are going to be obnoxious. I have two already, and I have to figure out what the third one is. Um, 
Um, third song, third song, third song, third song, third song, uh, okay, these, this is absurd, this is just the first three things that popped in my head, um, so, do you know that, like, uh, a million people have covered it, it's like a Halloween standard spooky? Creepy and they're spooky. No, no. Um, it's like it's like an old jet. So I pulled it up, and it says Classics Four is the artist, but I don't. That's not what I think of. So if you know the song Spooky, it's like a, it's a Halloween song. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. And then World Princess Part Two by Grimes, which is I know is obnoxious, but whatever. And then we're gonna round it out with uh, Tom's Diner by Suzanne Vega. <laughs> Tom Steiner, that's perfect. Uh, okay. Uh, this is from Danny. When funds are low, what are your favorite road trip cheap eats? Uh, Cheetos Cheese Puffs. Yeah. Cheetos Cheese Puffs and a big Gatorade. Six bucks, big bag, make them last. That's perfect. I love that. Um... Better Taco Bell. Yeah, Taco Bell for sure. I enjoy a good gas station burrito. Honestly, gas station tortilla chips. Those are a snag. Solid. Solid. Okay, this is from Rob. Uh, oh, Ratty Daddy, what was your first meeting like, like with Effie? We've already kind of talked about that. But any funny Effie stories that you can legally share? That I can legally share. I like that we added to that too. Um, honestly, did you? You guys already talked about the DoorDash guy, right? The oh, the office. Russian guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That that's a good one. Um, I don't know if story, but Effie did give me the best bit of advice. In, in any moments of peril through travel, just be ditzy dumb. Yeah. Hey, can you please help me. I am so sorry. That has got me so further. And just being like as kind as humanly possible to any person that involves with like traveling or like any form of like first person customer service. Yeah. Like that is the best solution I've ever had to anything in my life and Effie giving that to me was probably the best thing that's ever helped me because there's been so many times I'm like the ditzy dumb guy where I'm like hey my flight leaves at like 8 p.m. and I really just want to get home I really miss my cats nobody's been able to check on me and then usually something works out to where I can get home early yeah yeah, no, I'm I 100% agree with that philosophy. Uh, I will say, um, me and Effie both on our trip to Japan slept the entire 14 hour flight from California to Tokyo, and it it surprised I think about eight people on this plane because they're like everybody else woke up, and I I will say I will say I did not 
honestly sleep the entire flight. I woke up for five minutes to smash a family size bag of uh, like fruit snacks. Uh huh. And fell right back asleep. So I was awake for five or fourteen hours. And that was the only thing I ate the entire flight. It was great. Damn. Damn. Um. Okay. Well, this is sort of kind of the same, but do you have an embarrassing Effie story? Looking forward to seeing you Saturday at Turbo Graps. I'll be the large man in the front row in the ses- Session Moth Martina shirt. I hope I said that right. Real Let's easy go. to spot. Hell yeah. Um, embarrassing Effie story? We just, we just find ourselves in so many wild things that I never think of as embarrassing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's more or less just like, oh, this is something that we're experiencing in this moment. Like, what the hell is going on? Uh, bless you. I don't know. I'm sorry, buddy. I don't have a really good embarrassing effie story. <laughs> no, that's great. That's I'm great. Trying to... There's nothing. That, yeah. That means I'm you're doing to... it right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We got one more. Let's round it out. Give yeah. us a ghost story. Ghost story. So, uh, I grew up on Main Street in my hometown, Sea Valley, right? Uh, south of Middle Indiana. But the house I grew up in was one of the key houses of the Underground Railroad. It was yeah. So in my in my house, when you go in the basement, it's a pretty what like pretty long basement. But there's like a secret passage that has a secret passage, and so that was kind of cool to discover as a kid. Um, I remember one of the times I came home, and I remember like, oh, I, like this is just a feeling that like, oh, my mom's home or some like you know my dad's home, whoever's home, whatever. Uh, and I remember walking into the living room and just hearing a hey, like somebody saying hi to me or whatever, and I kind of like looked around and responded, nobody answered me. And I was like, oh, I must have just heard it through the window. And I was like looking at the windows. None of them were open. And these are like the old school thick ass windows. Yeah. So like when they were shut, you could barely hear anything outside, even up through the siding. So I go upstairs, all the windows shut, whatever. Nobody's home. Um, we also had a door on the second level. Even if you open it all the way to where it was on the wall, it would still find a way to shut itself. So in the middle of the night sleeping, you just hear the damn door slam shut all the time. So that, you hear footsteps on the stairs all the time. Uh, Random bursts of wind that don't make sense all the time in the house. So yeah, a lot of crazy stuff. Did you ever like see anything? No, but, so I had this weird thing where 
I slept walk in that walked in that house. I yeah. never slept walk anywhere else. Interesting. Like I never did it at my dad's house. I never did it at any of my like I would sleep talk, but I would never sleep like physically sleep walk besides that house. And like I my mom would always find me asleep in the living room. Every time. Interesting. Very interesting. Never have any remembrance of it. God, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a parent and then your kid starts sleepwalking. Yeah. It'd be fucking terrifying. Well, I did. Well, I told you the story. So further up on the street on Main Street, where it kind of crosses off, um, literally probably seven houses down. There was the that other house that was on top of the hill that was also part of the Underground Railroad. That was like the next connecting house or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we ended up having like a third grade sleepover. All the all the boys got together and hung out and you know watched whatever, played video games, ate pizza, whatever. So it gets time to go to bed, and then we were all walking up the stairs to the like the third level or the attic, wherever the kid lived. And there's one window in the wall, and we when we all like looked out, we all saw two red eyes looking at us. We all walked up the stairs, came back, none of us saw it. We were all freaked out, but I was like, yeah. I'm not staying here. So I had like a grade nine level meltdown. Like it was midnight. The, my friend's mom had to call my mom and my mom was like, fucking tell him to just walk home. I'll unlock the door. <laughs> and so I ran for my fucking life down like three stairs Across the street, all the way home, shut my door, locked it, deadbolted it, ran up to my room, shut the door, locked it, got in my bed, and I don't think I slept that night. Yeah, good God. Great times. Wow. All right, well, we are getting to the end of this thing. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, I would like to plug Old Wreck Twitch Mountain, twitch.tv forward slash ratty daddy number forever. Also, shout out Effie's Twitch. I do not know the name of it. Sorry, Effie. I think it's twitch.tv forward slash Effie Lives. I believe so. I believe so. So shout out to Effie. He always gives me nice complimentary raids. So thank you to him. Uh, Thank you to having me. Of course. And what what are you on Twitter and all that? At C-O-L-E-R-A-D-R-I-C-K. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. You, um, we slightly broke our no guest policy with the live podcast, but that feels like its own particular thing. So technically, you're the first guest on the podcast that is an actual wrestler and not just uh, Taylor's partner. I am so glad you're willing to put up with that. <laughs> Don't get used to it. We'll be back to regular next week, but... Thank you so much, Cole, for being here with us today.